Hi, I'm Chantal. I have ADHD. Welcome to episode six of this podcast. It's been a while since I've done one, and the reason for that is, um, well, it's not just one reason, it's lots of reasons. Oh my, what a time it has been. Not gonna lie, I've sort of been through the ringer. Oh, I swear, does this just... Does this just happen to us more than most people, or is it just normal these days? Who knows? But my goodness. <sighs> well, backtracking a little bit, I guess I'll mention what today's episode is going to be like, because it's a little bit different. I was having a hard time picking a topic. I have a bunch of topics that I do have that I want to talk about. But my brain has been so scrambled, and things have been so crazy lately oh, that I was having a hard time settling on one, and then it was causing me to delay actually doing a recording. So then today, I've been having, again, just a scrambled brain and... and not in the worst way, though. I'm, I'm having a scrambled brain on a decent day. It's just with lots going on, sometimes it can scramble your brain even on a good day. So I thought, why not just try and do a really chill episode and a really, really candid episode just on kind of what's going on, because I'll bet a lot of people are kind of going through something similar, even if it's not because of the same circumstances or because of the same things. Um, I think when we, when we have ADHD, I mean, of course I'm still learning about it, but I, I think one of the things that we tend to experience is that when there's a lot going on, when there are just many things in life that are kind of up in the air, it can be super overwhelming. And then you have just lots of ups and downs, even more than usual. And, and I know we're used to ups and downs, aren't we? I know I am. And uh, forgive me sometimes if I generalize. There are, there are times where I suspect that something is probably a shared experience for a lot of people with ADHD, but I also can't be certain, so let me just put that out there. Um, I can't generalize with certainty. I can suspect, but who knows, really. Um... Yeah, if anyone ever has feedback on experiences that they do think are sort of ADHD common experiences, let me know. Um, I'm still learning. This is part of the point of the podcast is to learn, focus on ADHD, and also share this learning and, and the experience of having it and of figuring things out now that I have a, a diagnosis and know what this is. So uh, today, yeah, sort of sharing a bit of a slice of my life right now. It's a tricky slice. It's one that I think often we don't want to talk about because it's awkward as anything. And uh, it's frankly, it's demoralizing. I'm I'm unemployed is the biggest part of it. And it's, it is just awful. It is just awful. And the clock is running down for finding work. And it's funny that there is a clock to run down because finding work is not something we have a lot of control over. We have control over putting out feelers and applying for things, but we have zero control over getting the job. It's it's like retail having metrics, like you have to sell a certain amount. Well, the 
the salesperson isn't actually in control over whether the person in the store is going to buy anything or not. So that's been a time. It's just been super rough. And I thought today, while I'm having a good day and trying to get myself organized a little bit, and my head is still just spinning because of the stress, I thought maybe let's take that that extra amount of brain that's just reaching, reaching, reaching for something and put it into this podcast so that I can use the rest of my brain and quiet it down to actually do other things in terms of like, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to be doing. Um, so yeah, today it's sunny out. It's lovely. I've got a nice cup of coffee here. I've got some time to myself. Um, and uh, it, it just seems like a day where I can get some things done. And, uh, but my brain is spinning and the negative thoughts are going. While I do have gumption, I'm also battling that, that sort of record that's playing in my head of me not being good enough or me being a fraud at something or I'm going to fail or all of those things, which I think are normal to everybody, but a little bit more acute in ADHD. So today is going to be weird because it's going to be just a ramble and it's not going to be super, uh, not that I script my stuff. I don't, uh, I have usually some ideas of what I want to talk about, but this is going to be a little less organized even than that. And also I have coffee. So you're going to hear me probably, you know, slurping some coffee and setting it down. And you're probably going to hear some clicking because I'm going to try and do some stuff on the computer while I'm talking to whomever might be listening. And thank you for being here and keeping me company. Because even though I'm recording this in advance, I kind of feel like whoever's listening later is kind of listening now while I'm talking. I, I kind of feel like I'm talking to someone. So thank you for being here. I hope that you or the person in your life or people in your life who have ADHD are doing okay, feeling all right, and hopefully enjoying this nice day. If you're on PEI, it's very, it's very lovely here in Charlottetown. There's a, a nice mildness to this, to this uh, April 3rd day. It feels like spring, spring is actually going to happen. That's a nice feeling because, you know, spring, uh, in terms of, you know, like March, late February, we don't have spring like some places do. It's, uh, it's a depressing, gray, cold, melty, slushy trudge through the end of winter and on warm days that should be nice. Um, typically in March, there is a smell in the air, which is kind of mucky and muddy and smells like earthworms and rot. Not that I've smelled an earthworm, but I assume by the look of them, they would smell like that. Um, love me an earthworm, but I assume that the smell is, <laughs> I don't know, who knows? Oh my gosh, the tangent. Okay. So yeah, today, um, I'm working on a few things here. Ah, focus shot, focus. Okay. This is one of the things too, like when you, when you're super stressed and you have ADHD oh, and you're looking at the blank screen and you're, you're clicking on the, the windows button to start. And, uh, you're just like, you're seeing all of these icons and you're just like, uh, what, 
was I supposed to be clicking on? I know what I want to do. What do I have to do to do that? What do I have to click on again? Uh, so there's, <laughs> there's that kind of feeling almost like, you know, when you go to look for something and you go into another room to go look for it. And the second you've walked through a doorway, your, your memory just, whoosh, whatever you were going to look for, no idea what it was until you go back and try to do whatever it was that uh, runs you into that point of like, oh, I need, I need something else to do this. Oh, I need to go get that. And then, yeah, then you go, you get it again. And anyway, uh, it's kind of like that sometimes. Uh, oh man, when I'm just really stressed, I'm almost having a problem just figuring out what I'm supposed to click on to do things. Oh. Browser. I'm going to need a browser for sure. Okay. So a theme that's come up fairly regularly in group when I go is um, a lot of people with ADHD end up being really well suited to working for themselves. And I don't know if it's that they're that we're particularly well suited exactly to that, but maybe more so that we're particularly ill-suited to working for other people who don't understand how hard to push us and when to back off and how our ADHD presents when our productive moments are and, and just how to arrange our work and our schedules and how to make us not mentally ill. Yeah, because I think we all know when we get pushed too hard or we're in the wrong thing and we're not healthy and, and depression can just punch you in the face. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm able to work for myself full time. I mean, honestly, I've never even really, some of the things that I'm wanting to do here, uh, I haven't even gotten my feet wet, really. So I guess what I'm doing right now is a combination of things. One, I am going to find some work, some just actual work, a job, not a full time job, just a job so that I have something steady to do even if it's not a permanent thing, even if it's just a temporary or a contract, find a job to take some of the pressure off. And then also I want to try and sell some art. And I was thinking about maybe, not maybe, there's my tentative language again in, in my mind. Whenever I'm excited about something and nervous to something, I, I start saying, oh, maybe, maybe, you know, I, I don't want to sound too bold or too cocky. I want to do some illustration work. So with those three things, there are challenges to each. Uh, with finding work, oh boy, even when you're just looking for a job. Whew. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, does anyone talk about how hard it is? I mean, yeah, we do. We do. But like, let's really get into that, shall we? I mean, looking for work. You've got the clock on you when you have no actual control over when you're going to get a job. And job searching, it's hard. The sites are kind of intimidating. They're scary. The way that they're, the way that they're formatted, you know, just some of the interfaces are very nerve wracking. It's almost like doing your taxes or something. They're very, very scary looking sites, very intimidating. <sighs> and 
a lot of job ads ask for way more than they need to. Which, which makes sense. It's not out of malice or anything. It's just they're looking for more, not less. So they're, they're really asking for... It's like when you're bargaining, right? Start high and then go lower. When you're bargaining to sell something, not to buy something. <laughs> Obviously, from the other side, you're bargaining lower. But, um, you know, right now, I mean, yeah, the employer kind of has the power. There are lots of us, you know, people looking for jobs that they can pick from, and they have a lot of power right now. So, of course, they're going to ask for whatever they can get as skilled a person as they can get, even though they will settle for less. So these job ads themselves can be intimidating. They might be asking for two or three times more experience and knowledge and whatnot than what they need. They might also be describing the job as being, you know, two to three times more complicated or more taxing than it will be. And for us to not get intimidated by that is really hard, because even if they were asking for what they're really asking for, we'd already be talking ourselves down and telling ourselves that we're not good enough to fulfill any of that. But, you know, you add that in of... You add, you add in that piece of looking at a job ad that just looks impossible. That just looks like something that you have no business applying for. That someone's going to tell you, why did you think that you should be able to apply for this job? What were you thinking? No one's actually going to say that to you, but no, we're thinking it. I'm thinking it. And then you get an interview and, and it's like a first date. You know, it's very difficult. It's, oh man, it's nerve wracking. You're, you're packaging yourself and presenting yourself and trying to trying to show someone that you're worthwhile and you're almost maybe even faking it till you make it and then you feel like a fraud and and for a lot of us already and, and it's not that no one should do that everyone has to do that it's a requirement you have to almost fake it till you make it if you don't walk the walk you're not going to get in for them to even give you a shot every single person has to do this and but then you know, with ADHD, we have that tendency to feel like imposters. The imposter syndrome is strong with these ones. We feel like we don't belong, like we've, like we've scammed our way into something, even though we can deliver, and then we just feel, you know, there are just a lot of hard things about this in general. And that's just finding a job. Then when you look into self-employment, which we can do, there are a lot of people with ADHD who are self-employed or partially self-employed and doing fine. It's not that we can't. Oh, and there's some unhappy cats. Hold on. I just need to go and separate them. Fresh air makes everyone quirky. So you in, you're fine, and then you, you're gonna go out there, my love. Yeah, go, 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 go. Go to the windows. Ah. 
thing that is wonderful about today is that the windows are open. We're getting some fresh air in here, some sunlight. It's beautiful. <sighs> and now we're going to hear the sound of a cat eating food. So, where was I? Yeah, just a lot of difficult things with, with finding just a job. And then when you get into self-employment, the thing that's hard too about self-employment is... Uh, and I was talking about uh, something similar with someone lately. Um, I'm going to liken it to applying for a degree. So one of the hardest things is getting all the stuff set up for it. The degree itself is going to be hard. Studying is difficult. Getting papers in on time, getting them done, period. Every step is difficult. There's a lot of work involved. But I think one of the hardest pieces for us in particular is that bit before you start. It is that it is that bit of figuring out what your cutoff dates are for this and that, for figuring out when you can apply for... Oh, and my hot pack. I forgot my hot pack. Oh, chili. And, uh, okay, so uh, yes, getting your stuff organized to start. So getting your paperwork, your applications in, getting your banking stuff arranged in a timely manner, getting all of those moving pieces, a lot of difficult administrative pieces, which of course we are fantastic at, aren't we? Um, all of those pieces in order and together and coordinated. Oh boy, coordinating stressful, difficult, meticulous things. Oh, that's really a strong suit of ours, isn't it? So all of those things, those are really, really hard. And I think they're, they're almost the worst part of stuff like this. So similarly, if you're thinking about working for yourself, oh man, <sighs> that beginning stuff is just, <sighs> it's a beast. It is just a beast. And so I'm kind of looking down the barrel of Oh, getting a portfolio set up and then feeling like every time I look over my stuff, I'm both happy with my stuff and I'm also just feeling also kind of demoralized by it, maybe? And just the towering list of things that I'll have to do if I want to even try to sort of very casually start this stuff up. Um, you know, if I want to do some freelance illustration, if I want to just sell art myself as well, just on the side, those things are still going to take some work, and especially the illustration part, developing a portfolio. Oh man. And just all of the editing that it requires, and I don't just mean editing as in choosing the pieces, I mean like digitally editing them, and then I'll probably have to maybe start up a new Instagram feed for that in particular, and then probably make a web page for the portfolio and then all of those all of those comments in your own head because I think we are meaner to ourselves than we would ever dream of being to anybody it's bizarre I think it's very normal and it's also very bizarre the two things can be true at the same time because I'm not I'm not fake around other people I, I know we we do masking and stuff but that aside like I'm, I'm not fake with other people I don't I wouldn't say positive things to a friend and not mean them or not think that they really deserve them, etc. 
So when I say that I'm treating myself the way that I would never treat anybody else, I just, I don't just mean that I wouldn't treat other people this way and like talk down to them and demoralize them. I wouldn't, the, the reason that I wouldn't do that is not because I think that that would be like socially unacceptable, which it is, but that's not the reason. I, I wouldn't do that because I actually care about other people. So why don't I care more about myself? And why, why would I be this mean to myself and say things to myself that I would, I would hope that no one would ever say to me? And I would hope that I wouldn't say to me if I were physically two people and I was friends with me. You know, if I was me and my friend. I, as my friend, would never say these things to me. But in my mind, oh my goodness me. In my mind, I am saying the most horrible things to myself, even on a good day. And it's, um, I think a lot of it is self-doubt. A lot of it is self-doubt. I'm, I'm having a hard time. I just feel like it's, it's almost this pattern that whenever I, how to explain this? Whenever I think something positive myself about myself, there's this equal and opposite reaction almost. And it's almost like it's a thing that I've trained into myself um, on purpose, but not super consciously where, and some of you might relate to this, um, you know, you think something good about yourself and then we, we're so aware of ourselves and aware of everything we're doing and how we're being perceived that the second you think something good about yourself you almost think oh i'm i'm not supposed to think that about myself that's gosh that's a cheeky thing isn't it chantal is good at art she's really really good she's really good some of this new stuff that i've made is like actually quite excellent it's very pleasing it's very technically competent. And then there's the equal and opposite reaction of, who are you kidding? You think you're good? You think you're gonna make it? You think that you can even sell some of this? You think that you're going to be even a small success? Even without any big expectations. You think that you're going to succeed at all? Are you serious? Who are you kidding? You think you're special? <sighs> it reminds me a lot of when I was very small and you know how very small children are quite precocious and they're excited and they're joyful and you know, they're excited that they can move around and they're excited to have you share their excitement and to have you see what they can do. And my dad always saying, don't, don't be cute. Don't, uh, cute was, cute was like a bad thing. Like, don't, don't be cute. You know, don't show off. Don't be a show off. And so I have this almost like a, like a, bad humility thing, like a toxic humility of like any time I feel successful at something. Oh man, I just, I can never quite fully feel like I've achieved something. I think that's also why 
oh, I crave feedback. I crave feedback from people who really see what I've done and who can really affirm to me what I've done. Not because I need the praise, but because I need that affirmation of, oh, okay, finally I can actually accept this about myself. Something good, something nice. Oh, because I just get a lot of the opposite in my own head. It's not nice. It's not a pleasant environment to be in. Oh, man. Also, when you're unemployed, oh, man. When you're unemployed and, heaven forbid, somebody asks you, oh, like, what are you doing now? And then you have this feeling of dread come over you. Where you don't want to, like, there's no good thing to say to that. There's no, oh, well, I'm, I'm unemployed at the moment. Because that just sounds... <sighs> That just sounds awful. I don't like the sound of saying that. And then I wonder how they're going to hear that as well and how, how that's going to feel, me seeing them hear it. But then you also can't say, oh, I'm, I'm between things at the moment, because everyone knows that that's code for I'm unemployed, except that then, and again, here's the, the overthinking, the ruminating. So when you say, I'm in between things, you know that that's code for I'm unemployed, except that then the thing that's being implied is, I'm unemployed and I don't feel like I want to say that because it doesn't sound as good. So I'm saying this, which sounds better, but means the exact same thing and we both know it. But then you've been caught in trying to make yourself sound better and not just accepting the guilt of being unemployed. Not that any of us should feel guilty. It's, it's employment. It's, uh, the whole thing is just a bunch of moving parts and of course, every now and again, we get thrown out of the machine. Hey, it happens. It's not because we mess something up so egregiously and that we deserve it. <sighs> That's not necessarily the case. Honestly, it's not the case for a lot of people. It's not the case in general. <sighs> so, you know, it's, it's just hard to be unemployed. It's hard to tell people you're unemployed. It's hard to tell yourself you're unemployed. And then you've got that other pressure of the clock and the what do I do and the... <sighs> just the whole thing is really... It sucks. It sucks. So today, one of the things that I'm working on here is some visual stuff for a portfolio because I might as well get all of the pieces sort of being worked on all at once, right? The looking for work, the making the resources to start something else, just I might as well be working on all of those parts at the same time. Because why not, you know, get a bunch of pillars under me, basically, you know, I don't want to have to rely on just one job. Because we know that if that goes away, and if you get thrown under the bus or what have you, then you, you know, you have bad feelings about it, and you have just a lot of unpleasantness, and that one job was the one job, and now you have nothing versus, you know, one of the pillars got knocked out. Okay, I've still got two, you know? But it's intimidating. It is, uh, especially the self-employment thing, it is so intimidating. It, I mean, the work thing as well, like with work, you know, I'm not used to bragging about myself. I'm, you know, don't be a show off. I'm not used to bragging about myself. I'm not used to talking to my, about myself in a 
positive way. I'm, I'm used to uh, not not talking about myself in a negative way to people, but I'm used to mitigating my assets and pointing out my faults because humility, because I have to. <sighs> I have to. I feel like I have to. So it's really hard when you're looking for work to then change those habits just now, just for a little while, just for these purposes, change those habits, talk yourself up. Sure, no problem, I can talk myself up. Oh my gosh, it's, it's like the hardest thing to do. <sighs> it's one of the challenges of even doing this podcast is, you know, I have lots to say. What do I have to say? That's, you know, of course I have things to say. Everyone, I think everyone has something to say, but you know, it's, it's also that self-esteem thing of, do I really have anything to say that's super worthwhile? Who knows? But that's honestly, that's not to me to decide. I, you know, sometimes you put something out there and you let other people decide. Done. Oh, but you know, with work, it's, you're putting yourself out there, you're trying to paint yourself in a good light and not feel like a fraud, even though you know that you're explicitly trying to make yourself look good because you have to, and you know it's intentional and it's purposeful. So of course you're gonna feel like a fraud. Imposter syndrome, that much worse. So you get that with job searching, absolutely. And then possibly even more so a little bit with looking at uh, looking at self-employment because you're really your own PR person and you're really trying to put a lot of hope and faith into your abilities and into what you're showing for it and uh, oof. We've got a lot of self-confidence in stock, don't we? Lots of extra self-confidence. Of course. No. Uh-uh. Most certainly we do not. <sighs> so lots of, lots of not great feelings, which is probably why I'm getting that really foggy feeling in my brain. And, uh... Just feeling overall a little bit miserable. Yeah, so that's fun. <sighs> yeah. It's not an easy thing, and uh... <sighs> It's not an easy thing to deal with. It's not a, it's not a very helpful thing to deal with when you are trying to get something off the ground because I, I do want to actually do things for myself. I, I don't really necessarily want to have bosses over me because it can be really hard. Um, not in an ego way. Like I, I don't have a hard time taking, uh, taking my, my instructions from other people. It's not that, it's just that they often don't know how to manage me in a healthy way. Um, and I do find too, a lot of them, like, a boss and an employee, 
there doesn't really have to be that relationship where you're the subordinate. I mean, your job is to do what they ask you, if you can, and if it's legal and comfortable and within your uh, the purview of your job, right? That's fine. But I mean, we're all adults. We all know this. So do they have to treat us like we're subordinates? I just don't know why that is such a thing. Can't we just treat each other like we're two people in different roles and yours is to manage mine? You know? Why isn't there more of just that healthy dynamic? Why not? So I do want to do this. I do want to pivot into doing my own thing. I think it's a healthy pivot, honestly. It makes sense. It's a healthy thing for me. It's just really hard to start, and, and there are lots of reasons to do it. It's just very difficult. Yeah, it's really, really hard. So, today, what am I doing? Well, today my, uh, my camera is charging. I'm going to take some uh, slightly more professional pictures of some of my art, just some slightly higher quality ones. Oh, what else now? I'm gonna... Well, right now what I'm making, I guess I'll describe that for you. Right now I am attempting to make sort of the, um, the main visual for a web page, a portfolio web page, in case I'd like to make one. So I'm doing a little bit of work on that just to see what that might look like. If this is much of a possibility. And uh oh, la 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 la. What else now? So I'm using paint.net. And uh, it's a nice free open source program, by the way, for anyone who wants to add some digital components to their art or is looking to remove backgrounds from images, turn them transparent if you want to cut something out. Um, if you're trying to alter your stuff a little bit, there, there's a lot of great features in here, actually, um, which I'm finding really useful in just, uh, let's see here, if I do that, can I, oh, I see what's going wrong. <laughs> oh, every now and again, it's a little finicky, but, uh, in a way that really works well for, um, oh, see, <laughs> there I'm getting distracted again. In a way that really works well when you know what you're doing with it, uh, when you've, you know, watched a tutorial or had someone show you how to use it, it's, um, 
it's something that can really go where you need it to go. That's pretty great. And I have to reverse some of the things that I've done here because, you know, sometimes you try something and uh, didn't really work super well. That's fine. That is okay. All right. Yep, that's good. That works. Ah. <sighs> So yeah, the main challenge today is just, you know, and uh, do you know, I, I actually, before I get into that, though, I, I really want to mention that um, I think one of the, one of the things about productivity, oh, I hate that word, it gives me the chills, um, but one of the things about productivity is, um, whoops, there we are. Uh, I know that people have different tips and tricks for it, and um, I was listening to a video earlier from Justine Lecomte, who I like very much. Um, she's on she's on YouTube. She's a fashion designer. Fantastic, really uh, really nice personality. Very cheerful. Very. Uh, very genuine, you know, not, um, not too, uh, she seems like a, like a real person, you know, she doesn't, um, she doesn't do a lot of the, I'm an Instagram personality, I'm an, I'm a YouTube personality kind of thing, um, yeah, it's, that's pretty great. Um, what was I going to say about it? Oh yeah, so I was watching a thing though. She was talking about productivity and one of the things that she said was, um, like, do you notice I'm not making any plan B's? I'm not talking about what if I fail? Um, that's a, that's a thing that I think we need to approach differently. I know Sandy from ADHD PEI, the founder of ADHD PEI, it's a nonprofit where I live has emphasized, especially at the start of the year when everyone's thinking about resolutions, he really emphasized that um, when you have ADHD, sometimes you need to make a backup plan. You need to sort of make what he calls a restart plan when you're setting a goal for yourself. What does that mean? That means that when we're setting goals or making a resolution, or, you know, trying a new activity, a new hobby, a new anything, something new that we're like, oh yeah, that's what's missing from my life, I want to do that. Or even not something that big, maybe it's just, you know, something smaller, a hobby, and something that requires consistency, maybe, to feel like you've, you know, or something like exercise, for instance, he's talked about exercise. Exercise is something that does require consistency in order to get results, doesn't it? I mean, by its nature, if you stop exercising for a good long time, a lot of the results will fade away, will be undone. And now the cat wants out. Okay, hold on. I will let you out. Hold on. Yes, my love. All right. Okay. Yeah, so for us, though... You almost have to plan for things to go wrong, and uh, the reason for that is because we have bad days. Sometimes we'll have a bad spiral. We, you know, there are times where we're just not going to have a good one, and that's just how it is. 
That's just how it is. We're not going to be able to avoid that. We can't avoid having downs, ups and downs. That's how it is. It sucks. But even medicated, uh, yeah, we can't escape that. So we have to plan for the fact that it is possible, if not even probable, that we're going to quote-unquote fail at something, or we're going to feel like we failed at something, even if we didn't fail. You know, maybe we drop something for a while and we're feeling like, oh, I can't believe, what a failing, I can't believe that I haven't been able to keep this up or do this thing. Yeah, it happens. It happens a lot. And when you're starting your plan, you can't really do that other thing where you just say, see, I, I'm being confident because that's what is required. I need to be confident. We can't do that. We might do better if we plan for something to go wrong. Because then when it does, we have a reset. We can do something about that. We can... Well, we can reset. We have a plan for, okay, if I haven't done this in so long, um, here are a few things I can do to get myself back on track. You know, I have steps. I have things in place that will help me do it. And I'm not going to judge myself for when this has happened because that will keep me from actually restarting. So it's not that you should be of a mindset that you're going to fail, but you do have to be really kind to yourself, which is extremely hard to do, and say, you know what? If I do fail, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to handle it. I'm going to know what to do. I'm going to feel like I can restart the thing that I've dropped for a while. I'm going to figure out what went wrong. I'm going to figure out... There, there are steps, which I, I don't have in front of me, but there are steps. One of them is figure out what happened. You know, kind of do your damage assessment of what happened to this project? Why did it go wrong? Is there something I can tweak that might take a challenge out of play or that might streamline something in a way that makes it easier for me to keep doing this. So sort of see what happened and yeah, plan to fail and plan to make that okay. So that instead of, instead of expending time and effort thinking about why you failed and think about thinking about that in a negative way, thinking about how, you're just not good enough, etc., etc. Because often that's where I go first is I failed because I suck. Side note, one of my New Year's resolutions, I had three. Uh, one of them was develop RBF, the <laughs> the resting <clears throat> face uh, that, that makes you unapproachable because uh, sometimes... Um, Strangers just ask too much of you or want to chat you up because they're bored and I, I'm exhausted and sometimes I look too approachable and I'm the person who ends up having to deal with uh, just random people talking at me when I can't handle it. So uh, RBF, that is a tool. Oh my goodness, I'm jealous of some people to have that. Uh, so one was to do that. The other was to really delve into ADHD and understanding it and understanding 
my ADHD and just what that whole thing means for me. And number three was stop saying, because I suck. Because often what I would do, and it was jokingly, and I, I never realized eventually that, that I, I used to say it so much that I would eventually mean it. I never realized that often I would be saying, oh, I, of course, you know, I, I forgot to put my laundry in the dryer because I suck. And it would be, be in a funny way. It wasn't meant seriously, but eventually I started realizing that I meant it. <laughs> I don't know when it started, but at some point I meant it. And I meant it every time. So, uh, it's a thing that happens. You know, we, we deal with a lot of failure and, you know, we're all trying to be, we're all trying to not be that person who just cannot fess up to what they've done wrong. Because that's, we don't want to become jerks. You know, we don't want to become those people in society that just plow through people and don't apologize and, you know, that's just not healthy. It's not going to be healthy for us to keep good relationships that way. So we don't want to become that person. But then I think sometimes we go way too far in the other direction of being so hard on ourselves. And it's unreasonable. It's just to a point where it's not healthy, it's not nice, and we're saying things to ourselves or thinking things to ourselves that we would never in a million years think about a friend or say to a friend. <sighs> I had a lot of things to say. You can see why I, why I sort of picked today to do this sort of slice of personal life here, a personal slice, if you will. <sighs> it's because while I'm, while I'm doing this work uh, physically here on the computer, I'm having all of these thoughts and I'm trying to fight them off and trying to balance them out because I'm having all of this negative stuff. And, you know, I think maybe it's, maybe it is more useful to just talk them out and share all of this personal stuff with you guys because it's embarrassing, it's horrible, and I'll bet a lot of you know exactly how I feel and what I'm talking about and maybe have had all of these doubts and awful feelings before and wondered what's wrong with me and am I being unreasonable with myself or do I deserve a lot more negativity than I'm even than I'm even dishing out maybe I deserve more and I'm being too easy on myself you know there's just a lot of self-esteem stuff that comes with ADHD that especially that comes with ADHD that's been undiagnosed and untreated through basically my entire life. I haven't even been diagnosed for a year. It's been less than a year. How much of my life did I live where, I mean, it wasn't even on my radar very much longer than that. You know, it's, it's very recent, uh, the last couple of years, maybe two or three, but most of my life I've been dealing with the backlash of having ADHD with none of the benefit of understanding what the ADHD actually is and how it affects me. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of awful, basically. Um, yeah, it's kind of awful. Oh man, and I feel really bad for anyone else who's going through this too, because I'll bet 
a bunch of us are. I know I'm not the only one. <sighs> Do I have any advice for people who are going through this? Um, try to believe yourself. Try to believe the good things. It's not going to work, but try. Because uh, I think that practice, while it doesn't make perfect, I uh, perfection is always something that we're looking for, but we, we never achieve. Um, practice helps, though. Um, it's like anything with the brain. When you're... With the brain, when you practice something, it's like... It's like treading a path in the grass. It's like a, imagine a, imagine a big campus that doesn't have any path laid down yet. It doesn't have any brick pathing. It doesn't have any treaded pathing. Everything is new. So it's just grass and buildings. And then you've got students going back and forth to those buildings. And you go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And eventually, um, because we're humans and we like to take the shortest way, and especially in bad weather, you'll have natural paths forming. And the more they get trodden on, the more defined they get, and it's the same way with the brain. The paths that are abandoned will grow over. The paths that are trodden on with regularity, those will become the pathways in your brain that will become more speedily transmitted through. You'll be able to get from point A to point B faster. Your brain is full of roads, full of paths. And when you practice trying to be kind to yourself, it may take time, but I think it will actually improve. Not that we're ever going to be perfect at it. So one thing is, even if you're not going to succeed, try it, because it, it actually is worthwhile. Even if you're not getting there quickly, it's, it's going to be worthwhile to try and be nice to yourself. Thing number two. I know that a lot of us feel really awkward bothering other people. And more awkward still about soliciting good vibes from people. Specifically saying, hey, I'm having a hard time today. Could you please tell me things that are good about myself? That's not going to be easy to do, I know. I mean, it's simple, but it's not easy. If you have a good friend, family member, or someone who you think is not going to make things worse, message them or call them up or what have you and say, hey, I'm having a bit of a bad self-esteem day. Would you mind telling me some good things about my art? Would you mind giving me some, you know, I need to hear something positive because I'm telling myself a lot of negative things. Or could you could you tell me something that, that you like about me as a person? Can you tell me that I'm a worthwhile friend, please? Because I'll believe you. Now, I know that that can be hard to do. My advice for surmounting that obstacle is to think about it in the reverse. Because one of the positives about having ADHD... <laughs> And I've been looking for them. That's part of my goal through, you know, in looking at ADHD and what it is, part of my goal there is let's try and find some ways in which this is actually not terrible. Well, one of the things about a lot of us is that 
we are good friends. We're good to people. Much as we're not always the most reliable in terms of texting, we're reliable friends. So if I were to, let's say you and I are friends. If I were to send you a message saying, hey, having a bit of a rough day, like, all I need is like a, a little encouragement. Like, can you, could you tell me something about myself that makes me feel like I'm not a crap individual, that I'm, I'm a worthwhile person that, you know, could you say something about me that'll make me like myself a little bit? I mean, if you got that message and I'm not asking a lot from you and I'm not saying, do it now, do it now, 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 now. No, if I'm just sending you a message saying like, hey, can you, can you help me out? Can you give me a few kind words as a friend? I mean, you'd probably think, hey, no problem. That's not hard for me, and uh, that's not a weird request. Not at all. I'm your friend. Of course I'm going to tell you some nice things about yourself. No problem. Right? So if you were to ask your friend that, just imagine, they're probably not going to find that it's a huge imposition. They're probably not going to find it inconvenient, as long as you're not being demanding about it. And they're probably not going to find it that weird. They might even feel more comfortable reaching out themselves at some point when they're having a hard time. There is nothing bad about that entire transaction. That entire, not transaction, sorry, interaction is the word that I want. There's nothing bad in there. It's only a good thing. You know? So that's my other advice, is when you're just not in the position to be nice to yourself or to not believe yourself, talk to somebody you will believe. And just ask very specifically for what you need. And if you have that text message, then later you can refer back to it. Even better, ask it of someone who also has ADHD. Because from what I've been noticing in interacting with other people with ADHD since I've been going to group and, and interacting with people from the community, I'm noticing that they're sympathetic people. They're wonderful. And one of the best things about these people is that they really say what they mean, even if it's kind of embarrassing. These are people who will tell you, you're a wonderful friend and I'm glad that we met. They'll tell you, you're really impressive and you have a skill set that's kind of intimidating, frankly. That's wonderful. Or they'll tell you, you know, you're doing a really baller job at all of these things. Yeah, I know you're having a rough day, but don't forget, you're actually doing some amazing stuff, and you're really cool. So if you can talk to someone that you know who also has ADHD, they are probably going to tell it like it is, and they will have no qualms about saying these things. And I don't think it's that neurotypical people don't want to say those things. I think it's maybe that they take it for granted that you probably know that you're great. You probably, I mean, if you're doing great at all these things, you probably already know that, like, you're good at XYZ, you're worthwhile at this project, you're, you're really, you've got it going on. You don't need me to tell you. They probably think that. It's not anything mean, it's just, they probably just figure you already know. But those of us who have ADHD, we all know that we don't already know and that, oh my goodness, we need affirmation. We need validation from people who are not ourselves because the one person who is not going to affirm our value is ourselves sometimes. We, we need to work on that. It's a good thing to work on, but it can take a long time and oh man, yeah, you need other people to make you feel supported sometimes. 
There's nothing wrong in that. In fact, that makes me think of something that's that kind of bugs me whenever I hear it. You know, you, you have that pessimistic saying that some people drag out. We're born alone, we die alone. So... It's kind of like an aphorism, isn't it? Aphorisms are dangerous things. Aphorisms, you know, like uh, birds of a feather stick together. Those sayings that hearken to some truth. Some universal, long-lived truth. They can be dangerous, especially because, I mean, in and of themselves, what they're really supposed to be are just, you know, little sayings that maybe point something out in a nice, tidy little way. They're not meant to be taken as life lessons, though. And I think sometimes we take them that way. And I, th- I think it's because sometimes they're, they're trotted out in that way. When people, when people take out an aphorism, usually it's to point something out in that capacity. And I think in that instance, it can be sort of dangerous. Because we tend to think about those things. And if you have ADHD, you're thinking about them and thinking about them and you know, we tend to process a lot and we tend to weigh a lot of different things and a lot of truths and we tend to wonder about our own view of life and view of the world and society and our place in it. And aphorisms can be confusing, especially because sometimes there's a grain of truth, but it's never universal, pretty much never. Um, And so when I hear, we were born alone, we're gonna die alone. Use your critical thinking. I'm going to call total BS on that one. I know firsthand that we're not born alone. I don't know about you, but my mom was there. (laughs) My mom was there. My dad was probably there. Bunch of people in the hospital were there. I can tell you firsthand for my son. I was there for his birth. His dad was there for his birth. My best friend cut his umbilical cord. Uh, There was a doctor there, and there were at least two nurses, possibly three. Yep. And he has still never been actually alone. He's too young to be left alone, but he's literally never been alone. It's been almost three years. (sighs) And I don't feel alone in my 30s. Even when I'm literally alone here, I'm not really alone. I mean, I have cats here, but I also am talking to you. And I have text messages from people who care about me that I can that I can text back. And I can call somebody. I can talk to somebody. I'm not alone. I'm at a distance from people, but I'm not alone. And I don't feel alone. We don't exist in isolation, and I am likely not going to die alone either. A lot of us die in hospitals because that's where you go when you're sick enough where you could die. Um, You know, I might have a heart attack in front of my family. That's always how I thought I would go anyway. Who knows? I just imagine myself in my grandparents' kitchen having a heart attack on the floor. Why would I be in their house when I'm that old? I don't know. (laughs) Who knows how old we'll be when we die anyway, but... I, you know, there's a pretty good chance. Like, how many of us actually die alone? I mean, come on. We're social creatures. 
most of us are extremely social creatures. I just... I don't get it. I'll, I'll never be on board with that saying, with that aphorism. I don't know if it's an aphorism exactly, that one, but people say it. It's almost like an aphorism. It's, it's got almost that sort of status. Uh, yeah, I don't agree. I really don't. From an objective perspective, uh, mm -mm. I call total BS. We're social creatures. So reach out. You're not alone. You're not meant to be alone. You're meant to have supports. You're a social creature. You have people. Reach out to those people. Don't use them. Just reach out. Lean when it's your turn to lean. Support when it's your turn to support. Do what you can for each other. Take care of each other. Give space. Give company. Whatever you can do. I'm wishing everyone a nice, sunny, healthy, stable as much as it can be, springtime. I hope you're well. I wish good things for you. I wish good things for your family and your friends and your pets. And I hope everyone stays safe from this pandemic, which is not over, even though I'd like it to be. It's not. And it's lame. And it's been a hard time. And I can't wait till things warm up and I can see people more safely outside. With that, I will say goodbye for now and talk to you in the next episode. Thank you for keeping me company today. Bye-bye.